Welcome back to Soundcheck, the rock and roll alternative music podcast here at Central Michigan Life. Uh, my name is Andrew Muller. I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Livingston. Wow, <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not feeling it today. I'm very tired. <laughs> I could tell. But You're just like we're gonna power through. Well, he's gonna power, and we're gonna power through with the music of Bob Mold. Mm-hmm. So we're very excited today. It's our first episode back since spring break because we didn't yes. have one last weekend so it's been a little bit but uh, i'm excited to jump back in um a couple announcements uh first of all um apparently right before we started um i just saw it on twitter um surf music legend icon dick dale has fortunately passed away don't don't give those crocodile tears michael come on yeah, i barely listened to him but i know he's a, he's, <laughs> he's like a the pretty, surf rock he, i know there's this one song from like the 90s he has it's nitro it's called nitro it's this really sick like He's yeah. got this really sick picking going on. It's, it's 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 like really well produced, like like thick, almost slightly buzzy, distorted. Big mm. Dale, it's really cool. I, it's the only song I know, but um, you should go look at, listen to it. But no, yeah. there you go. Second thing, um, if you haven't noticed, we're we're on camera. Hello, everyone. These things. I'm, I'm sorry, and I have to stare at my hideous face the whole time. Maybe 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 still listen to the audio. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> you, how it's working. You know how everyone you know how the old joke was that oh I have a face for radio. I think the millennial version is I have a face for podcast now. Yeah. Yeah, because no one does radio anymore, <laughs> I guess. So but. sound check. Come for the music conversations. Stay for the dad jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what else what, there was there was another announcement. Yes. Oh yeah we got a Twitter now. Yeah we got a Twitter. I yeah. I set it up last night and I followed like 800 different bands just to get the, the algorithms right, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so it's decent looking. We don't have a logo still, so it's just the CM Life <laughs> yeah. logo, which is fine. Um, it's in the works. I've already tweeted out some fire already. You, so you, what, what did you tweet out? I, I tweeted out, at Journey, why y'all been bad since 1975, which is when they started. So there uh, you go. I'm slowly trying to convince Michael to do that to Blink-182 and U2. No, there's there's two good songs off of Dude Ranch. That's not, not enough. They've, and also, no. that's D- Brent's over wrong. there just like, yeah, yeah, you're right. What, don't, don't you say that, Brent. <laughs> Blink-182. I'm telling everyone right now, Tom DeLonge is like right next to Fred Durst. He's the worst front man of all time. Just just shut up. It's terrible. Anyway. But no, so, um, yeah. But anyways, yeah, so we'll be tweeting out, I guess, music recommendations, funny yeah. stuff. Um, the episodes as they Episodes, appear. of course. Um, we'll be teasing them. Like last night I teased that um, what we were talking about, and I posted a, a, an episode, I'm sorry, an episode, a playlist mm-hmm. I made of the essential Bob Mould from all his projects that you all should listen to. Mm-hmm. Also, the first one, when it was, because I thought it was just going to be me at first. I didn't think Michael would want to do the No, Twitter. I wanted to get on it because I know if you had full domain <laughs> over the Twitter, nobody would follow it. So what? You what? Ha- well, you, the first, well, the first one was kind of a joke. You to have honest. to admit that, like, I'm a little more in touch with millennial sarcasm. So. Oh, no, I'm in touch with sarcasm <laughs> all the way. I, millennials, not that much. I will give you that. But sarcasm, that's 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 my bread and butter. I'm a smart ass. Yeah, but that. but you're a smart ass in like how do I put this? <laughs> Brent's over here like, how is he gonna say this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What what would you just say? Oh oh come on. I'm not fake sarcasm. I'm not fake smart ass Brent. You have like I I bet you wore the graphic tees of like <laughs> I didn't actually. You didn't wear graphic tees when you were a kid. Okay. Well, 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 well you're talking about the ones from Walmart? No. Like the, well, maybe like like the one, like the one with the kid with the backwards hat on, where he's like, "I stole pizza from my sister," kind of thing. <laughs> 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 
You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, I know what you're talking about. I may have had like one of those. It was okay. like a gaming. It's like one of the gamer ones. I, yeah. Those were the big ones. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. I'm a gamer. I live multiple lives. The thing was like, I think mine was like one more level, one more like written over and over again on oh, it. This is like, it was stupid. I think I had like one. I think my parents got it because that's I, I would have probably said that quite a bit, but mm-hmm. but no. But apparently, um, the first tweet I sent out was like a picture, just like guess who's running it? And there's like a a thing of Twisted Sister, Blues Traveler, mm-hmm. Ailstorm. Yeah. Can I ask you? I might want to ask you this, Michael. Actually, no. I actually want to save this point to later. Anyways. Um, but yeah, so go check out the Twitter. The um, it's just called Soundcheck Official. That the handle is Soundcheck, all one word. Um, o F F I one. I don't know how to change the, the handles. I, I don't either. <laughs> we're both. We I don't know how to. I barely know how to use Twitter. You I think tell I've, me how to use it. You you set up an Instagram. I got it. You set up a Facebook. I can somewhat get it. I set up my Twitter, my personal Twitter. Yeah. At, I couldn't find it by the way. At Michael and a bunch of numbers. Um. I couldn't find it. Yeah, see, I need to figure out how to change that handle, but I don't know. But anyways, but yeah, so um, check that out. Follow us, please. Yeah. Actually make us feel like we're doing something. Yeah, we have some sort of audience. But anyway, <laughs> um, today's, today's topic is, is about a man. A very delightful man. A delightful man. He's a very nice guy. But in, in when you first listen to Husker Du, you don't think, wow, this is a very nice man. Um, <laughs> well, this, early Who's Could Do. Yeah, early Who's Could Do. So, um, pretty much, Bob Mould is a, pretty much an indie rock darling at this point. In his he's, he's really reached that legendary status in that mm-hmm. community. And maybe even punk. I think he, he's, he's a weird guy. He occupies, I think, legendary status in both punk and in indie rock. Beca- yeah. And, uh, because, I mean, he, he had a lot of alternative stuff with, you know, his solo stuff and um, Sugar and the tail end of Who's Could Do. But since Who's Could Do was considered such a huge punk band back in the um, the 80s, you know, obviously they have um, they have, they have legendary status in, in punk music as well. So I think Bob Mould's a truly, a, a truly amazingly talented individual and, um, and a truly an eclectic one of that as well. So I really wanted to talk about his just overall all career, kind of like what me and Elio did last semester with Jello Biafra, mm-hmm. except unlike Jello, which he has like, he does like a million one-off like albums and collaborations for right. things. You can, you can broadly break his career down into can, three. Yeah. You can synthesize it pretty evenly. Like we, I, I more looked at this episode, like how we did my first one, Jack White. Um, like, yeah. You know, it's a man who has a bunch of different projects, and he's 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 kind of dips his fingers into the musical world a lot. He's not as prolific as Jack White, like owning an, his own label, no, like to I, my knowledge or yeah. anything like that. But he he's a man who I think has been overall very mm-hmm. consistent with the music, not only just in releasing music, but perhaps even the quality as well. I mean, sure. there, there there are some there have been times when it dips, but you know, the quality wise at least. But you know, I think this is a man who's. I mean, I think I remember, and this is a very cheesy line, but I think saw an interview with him. And he says like, "I always have music in my head." This is oh, a guy yeah. who breathes this stuff, and so he, he's he's a very talented individual. And I really wanted to talk and showcase um, more than kind of like with Jello Biafra. That he's done a lot more post because I think a lot of people remember Husker Du, maybe Sugar. Although I think people remember, I think I, I remember hearing about Husker Du well before I ever heard Sugar. So oh, yeah. before we we dive in dive into it, um, which will just be pretty much comprised of. Husker Du, Sugar, his solo stuff. That's how we'll break it down. Um, I'm a little more interested in hearing about you, Michael, because you didn't really know beyond 
some new Skidoo material. You didn't really know his music as much. Yeah. Um, so before that, though, I would like to read this text that uh, Michael sent out. Oh, to you saved it. Oh, I screen capped this, buddy. <sighs> I screen capped this because I had to, because this was just glorious. Where mm-hmm. was it? Yes. So I don't know if Michael's ever said this on, on our episodes before, but he likes to make fun of me for having a, quote, shitty taste in music. Mm. And... um. This and so this was obvious. This was my idea because I knew more about his stuff before for him, and you know, I knew he was gonna like it. I didn't expect to get this text him. <laughs> I'm so glad we're doing this episode. I haven't discovered something this good since Dino, maybe. <laughs> and unless he's that, talking about was, Barney the dinosaur, that was. I'm pretty sure he's talking yeah. about his favorite band, Dinosaur Junior. That that's pertaining to Bob Mold's first solo work workbook, which. Uh, Jesus, what a great record. I mean... It's not his best, but it's really good. It's his best, in my opinion. Jumbled up, well, 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 the, well, the main point I read that to you is... Yeah. I don't ever want to hear again that I have a shitty taste in music if that's the stuff you're going to send me. Okay. And who also introduced you to Nick Drake? Yeah. Loomer? Yeah. Laura Veers? Yeah. The Interrupters? Yeah. So... I mean, I can go on here, I feel, so. Well, yeah, I, but I, I still like to poke fun at my boy. You know yeah. how it is. Hold on, can I ask you this, though, real quick? What? Ailstorm. Ailstorm's bad. Blues Traveler. Blues Traveler's bad. Twisted Sister. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Twisted Sister. Yeah. Fuck at. Which one's the worst? Uh, Twisted Sister. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyways, <laughs> I just briefly describe like kind of what your discovery process this well, yeah. past week was. For, like. At first, like I, it's weird because I had the stigma of Husker Du being like a DC punk band. And then I, I, it took one Google search to realize they're actually from Minnesota. And it a lot of Husker Du's material, uh, the early stuff on that first record and then the EPs, um, have that similar pacing, like in DC punk rock, where it's, you know, it's fast, all the songs are short, it's piled heavy with, you know, distortion and mm-hmm. weird tones and all that stuff. But um, I, knew, I knew Zen Arcade as just a classic record. Mm-hmm. I never analyzed it in depth. I knew Candy Apple Grey because it had a lot of good hits. Um, And I knew that was when they started to become an alternative band. But really, um, I knew Husker Du best from the Metal Circus EP because of this song called Diane. get this you get this awesome bass line um that's playing like these chords on the high strings Mm -hmm. and like almost like power chords and then you get that piercing classic husker do guitar 
like electric orchestra. I want to make a point about Metal Circus later. Yeah, just but, like going over your head, and it's like, what the fuck? You could just get blown right. away. So pretty much, you're familiar with some Huskudu, maybe a tiny bit of Sugar before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I knew a little bit of Copper Blue as well, which is the the first Sugar record. And then, so what? And then, just going beyond, like discovering more of like just generally, what were your thoughts just discovering his solo work with you know whether it be early to later solo work and sugar what yeah. was that discovery well how i like? how i tackled this process was i actually i started with the solo stuff and then finished all of that and then went back and listened to the husker do that i had not heard okay and then ended with sugar um like like revisiting all that you know okay. so hearing sunspots on on you know open up <laughs> that, that would open up workbook moment. And then thinking only to Diane, it's like, what? Like this is not what I thought this would sound like at all. You know? Well, I, I, I know I told I know I mentioned before that workbook was acoustic driven. I know I yeah, mentioned that. Yeah. But. And I never realized that Husker Du has this whole other acoustic side to it. Like um like how Bob Mold favors like a twelve string and he you know, there, there's these songs that are created simply around acoustic chord progressions. Mm-hmm. And I the whole time, I just thought, like, going in, I thought Husker Du was just a, a really powerful guitar-driven, electric guitar-driven band. Mm-hmm. And but which I was proven For the most wrong. part, they are. That's what yeah. they are, pretty much. And, and, as you'll, and as we'll talk about later, that's, that's a large part of his solo work, too. But, I mean, I, I, mean, were, were you, I mean, were you just surprised by... You, you were essentially just surprised by that. It was, it was, I was surprised by how much dynamics there are in songwriting structure, mm-hmm. in instrumentation, in vocal style later on. Um, like, I thought it was just going to be punk screaming vocals the whole way through. I was completely wrong to assume that, um, especially on the solo stuff. And, like, I, I never also realized the chemistry between Grant Hart and... Bob Mold. Well, I didn't that was know more there with Husker Du. Yeah, I didn't know there was a a duo in there. Almost as if you're talking about Jay and Lou, like how there's you know you get you get your Grant songs and you get your Bob songs. Yeah, it is interesting because I think even though you started off with solo before you went to Sugar, I mean mm-hmm. you still kind of had I, th- I feel more. I think from, from in my head, kind of a more I guess traditional sense of going through his his career. Um, so for someone like me, I actually, we spoke about this earlier. Um, um, for me, I, my first discovery of Bob Mould was actually, um, through Patch the Sky, which is a album, a solo album of his, we'll talk about much later because it's one of his most recent. Mm -hmm. That came out in 2016. So it's been about three years since I've had, I've been digesting it slowly, but, you know, surely digesting his music. Mm -hmm. And I was like. I knew some of Husker Du, and I think he had mentioned, oh, yeah, this is the frontman of Husker Du, and he's his new solo album. I'm like, okay. I think it was Voices in My Head was, like, the song that I heard. I was like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. Then I heard the end of everything off that. I'm pretty sure. I was like, wow, this is really fucking good. Mm-hmm. And so I had bought that on vinyl. I think I remember I, shortly after it was released, like, I really want this. And I thought it was, it was, it was a pretty cool record. Um, I actually bought that today. I'll mm-hmm. pull that out right now. But, um, yeah, that's, kind of, that's where I began with um, Bob Mould. So... 
then slowly I would go back and I would get a little more, get to know a little more. He just could do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, really fell in love with sugar, and and at that same time, he just could do as well. So I kind of went backwards with him in, in a sense, where I kind of like mm-hmm. I started out with one of his most recent albums, and I kind of went back. And I think that's where I think, I think part of it is music taste is where we have some of our disagreements, mm-hmm. and um, and just kind of how we we. We went it. We we went into discover. Um. Yeah, you, we are going in into it in two different directions. Where I started from the beginning, I was into Husker Du yeah. long before I'd even heard that Bob Moldhead solo stuff. You started going the opposite way, and I think that in turn created a lot of conflictions yeah. on what we believe is the best material. I'll probably have some controversial opinions here. If anyone who's like really, in, if anyone's listening who's really into Bob Mold, I think I'll have a couple. Con, uh, maybe like controversial opinions here, but I think overall, I think we can both agree that overall his body of work is really impressive for, oh, for one man. Yeah, it's like you got to think close to twelve or thirteen solo albums. You got to think, is it six? Who's Who's do albums? Although th- I mean, by the end it was kind of becoming half heart, half yeah. mold on each one. But yeah, and then bunch of EPs with that, yeah. with Who's Who's and then. Add on another two albums and an EP from and B sides collection from Sugar. So yeah. there's a lot of work in there, and I, we're not going to go album by album on this episode. That will no, take forever. It's, it's too long. Instead, I think how we kind of divided it up was his main what, three projects. Yeah, the main three projects, and then the especially in in the solo stuff, there's eras of different as there sound is and with, texture. I would argue with Husker Du as yeah, well. Yeah, Husker Du as well, um, so, a little more refined. Sugar is kind of just like a, a little more consistent all the way through. You talk about the sound of that band yeah. in its entirety. Um, do you just want to dive into the meat of the conversation? Yeah, yeah, I mean... That's, I mean, I think I mean, Husker Du is obviously a place to start with anything. Um, so, uh, so something that, you know, really might... It, some, I guess from someone like me who, you know, obviously the stuff I knew about, known about them, mm-hmm. you know, like knew, knew this, the solo stuff. And he's a pretty... You know, he sounds, I don't want to say calm, but he's a very clean register. He's a very, even if it's powerful, like physically powerful singing, it's, it's, it's not a lot of screaming. It's clean register. You know, he'll have his softer songs. And you, when you listen to stuff, maybe off the later, he's going to do stuff like Flip Your Wig. Mm-hmm. And you don't really get a whole lot of like really rough vocals. <laughs> Listening to like some of the earlier, early material yes. he's going to do, that, that's, that's kind of a trip because mm-hmm. they were a hardcore punk band. Yeah. Just straight up straight hardcore up. punk. I mean, it like I said, it 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 always I always detected those kind of DC hardcore influences, mm. and then you'd find and then you find out that they're on SST, yeah. same label as Black Flag. Well, that's pretty much what's his fit. Well, who's the guitar? Oh my God, what's the guitarist for Black Flag? Greg Ginn. Greg Ginn, thank you. Yeah. I blank on names it's sometimes, okay. but no, but no. So yeah, that's his that's his label, mm-hmm. you know. And so they they would have shared that with the Descendants at the time as well. Yeah, so. and then later you get you know Soundgarden and. And uh, Dinosaur Junior and mm-hmm. and all those uh, the the late eighties alternative stuff, but Husker Du starts a little bit before that, yeah. and they kind of as they go they marry themselves with different um, genres like mm-hmm. you know you get like the college rock influences, you get the alternative influence, well, you get indie. It's like it's really weird. You want to know what album changed Bob Mold's life? It's not hard to figure it out. Which album changed Bob Mold's life? Yeah, that kind of know. probably would have made him want to do punk music. Oh, it's I not am, hard. I, I imagine it's if it's a DC thing. I'm gonna no. guess bad. No, it's not a DC thing. No, it's the first one that would come to mind. It's the most cliche one possible. Let me know the first Ramones album. Ah, makes sense. And like I remember hearing like in interviews like the album I pick for everyone to change my life is the Ramones' first album. Like goodbye, I'm done. Hmm. I, I'm here's the thing. I've heard. I think probably because I've heard 
like um, what's his um, Henry Rollins talk about how much how great the Ramones are so much. It's like, I mean, at this point, I'm t- I'm almost tired of hearing how like the, the first Ramones album changed my life. It's it's that's it almost become a cliche. To me. Where do you hear? Because I, I, really, I can't hear Ramones in no. In I, I don't album. really hear. I don't hear him with them either. But I'm just saying in interviews. That's what that's the album that mm-hmm. said changed his life. They made him want to do punk music in, yeah. in general. Do Obviously, you, they would do a lot can more. You think harder. of any songs that you really hear like some Ramones influences and in who produced stuff? Not really. I mean, maybe I you can you can kind of hear it maybe in the later stuff because it's not as it's it's kind of like not as hardcore as the early stuff. But like when you, when you think of the Ramones, it's it's all very simple and. Well, a lot of, a lot of Hughes could do stuff wasn't terribly complicated. You know, there's definitely, mm-hmm. I mean, it, but it was fast. It had that speed of DC hardcore. Yeah, it still it still had some of that even going to the alternative rock stuff, and it also felt like it, at least enough of this. Some of it kind of blended together, but not really. Nowhere near to the same degree that a Ramones album would. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying not gonna love the Ramones, of course, but um, yeah, it's just it's just when I, when I it is it is it is still kind of an odd thing. I mean, I I mean, because a I mean that's just everyone's everyone's picked like all this a punk album that changed my life and granted it was around that time and that would have been like the underground you mm. know smash shit going on and he did was born in new york so it probably there's probably some connections there but yeah it is a weird one to hear him say that the ramones is my was my kind of jumping off yeah. point i think from the beginning though if you're even looking back all the way to everything falls apart their first debut album yeah. there's something about husker do that sets them apart from you know they're a contemporary or you know their peers and and if you're mm-hmm. looking at DC specifically, like for example, there's reverb on the track "Everything Falls Apart," and mm-hmm. then you yeah, know, and then there's like all these different dynamic changes and especially like the guitar tone. You can just tell that's different than what you're hearing in DC. Like it's not completely drowned out by the drums and cymbals and stuff like that, yeah. although cymbals play a big part in Husker Du. Mm-hmm. Like, the guitar is just just straight noise and fuzz and, like, so yeah. blown out of proportion. Well, you know? but... Well, it's, it's not just the... straight power chords, either. I can hear chords in there. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely did have something to really push themselves apart. What what, what, I, what I found about the guitars were interesting. What I was... was a, the, I've always found the guitar tones to be really distinct, even in their early stuff. Early stuff was, like, kind of your standard, you know, distorted, hard guitars that's kind of what they sounded like but even especially by metal circus and you definitely got some of it on zen arcade and maybe everything all falls apart but i mean really when you when you start even getting into like territory of like new day rising they had this really interesting distortion i don't think it's ever been matched much no by other i've bands. never heard any because it, like it's that. which i mean he has this i know i describe it as brittle almost kind of brittle distortion but very yeah. bright but yet somehow it was still very a lot of punchy. high end on it a lot high end but yeah. it was it was but it was also very punchy still even though it was kind of brittle it still had that punch it had this mm-hmm. which i think works for them because i think it oh, adds yeah. this bit of like emotion to, to, the, to the sound of the guitars mm-hmm. which is kind of, which is what a big part of them was and you know i think i mean they've had their fair share of political stuff but you know a lot of punk fans at the time either would be political or just like super apathetic you know or just you know fuck the government mm-hmm. all that stuff you, you don't really i mean you def, especially on like probably the early eps you definitely got some of that but like especially when you're getting by like zen arcade a lot of that was kind of was gone <laughs>
kind of agree that like from the beginning they sound different from from others also like uh i i know you're not like a guitar guy but like um bob mold played a uh flying v yeah through the years of husker do and then he switched to a strat later on but it's like you think like back in those days like who plays flying v especially in punk music yeah like nobody and, and it was the except for like the hair bands you know yeah. like how how are you how are you going to successfully bring a flying v to a hardcore group? right so and it somehow just works i mean yeah. i i think well i i, I well i imagine as time went on with husker do a lot of people would have had the creeping term of sellout being thrown, especially when right. they went full alternative and they went to Maple Nature label. Although I did have a concert. Warner Brothers for anyone who's wondering. Yeah. So I, I did have this kind of, we, we can get to that when we talk about the alternative stuff. But um, yeah, obviously, so the, the early EP stuff, that was more hardcore driven. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, in with the first album, everything falls apart. Although you would, especially that title track, um, yeah. I think, and I think Wheels as well, also kind of had. Really a lot of, it was it was kind of like when we, when I was listening to Dinosaur Junior off their first album Leper. It's like, okay, that song right there is what's what's going to go define the rest of their career. Right. I, I, I like it, it's not as easy to pick that out off of off of everything falls apart. But when no. I listen to that title track, it's like that's when I can think of okay. When when you're listening to Warehouse, their final album, th- this is the you one can, that really represents it, yeah. where they're going to go. Yeah. So. And then they take that. And then they take just a complete. <laughs> Bizarre direction. Yeah, and Zen Arcade, which is their second, their which completely disproves the sophomore slump. Um, I know I hear I hear that term getting thrown around yeah. a lot, where it's like, oh, the debut album's good, but they can't follow yeah. it up, you know. Um, but in Zen Arcade, a 1984 release, like you start out with something I learned today, which is just like just a classic. Uh, this is pretty much the example of a perfect song. I don't try to say stuff so like literally perfect very often, but I mean everything. The opening drum, the opening drum line to the. To the uh, is this a mold or? Uh, this is a mold song. Okay, cool. So, so I uh, wanted that because like he sounds so angry on this. Just, no, here's what I love. So I want to get to the vote. I mean everything. The bass line, the drums, everything, the guitars, everything sounds fucking phenomenal, spot on. How it should. Production's great. Mm-hmm. Here's but here's what I really love about it, is that vocal performance and. Um, I don't know why. What something about this song right here? Something I learned today. This is a very interesting vocal performance to me because this is something that not only was he, he wasn't able to represent this, re- recreate this vocal performance, mm-hmm. not only in Husker Du but on this album as well. Yeah, it's a really, it's this mix of so many like in, 
not through lyrics. I mean, lyrics kind of help convey. The lyrics are great too, by the mm-hmm. song, by the way. But his voice, the way he's, he's screaming, but he's still really emotional. He has yeah. he has that mixed vocals of clean and screaming, and it, it, he was able to convey so many different emotions: anger, frustration, sadness, despair, um, just hopelessness. It, all these different kind of things into one package and it's just he's almost like crying when he's screaming at the end of each verse and just, yeah. it still gets me and it's only two minutes it feels like it goes fast with one oh yeah it's one of those songs where you just want it if there's almost any knock in the songs that's too short but then again isn't it a mark of a good song it's, it always leaves you wanting more oh, at the end of absolutely it. and then this is also when like i start to hear the guitar start to groove a little bit yeah like it's not just straight like blocky punk rock anymore it's mm-hmm. when it's when you start to it starts to dance a little bit. It starts yeah. to move around in your head. But, like, yeah. honestly, like, like I I think I said this line when we were talking about Dino in the song Don't, and I'm going to repeat it here. This is what all emo music sounds like. I'm perfectly okay with it. <laughs> Seriously. This is great. But um, I might be disappointed, but... Yeah, I, mean, I know I will be. But, but see, but then, but then, yeah, you know, obviously Zen Arcade is probably everywhere... Is, the album everyone thinks if, if if they're going for like the classic album most people will probably say zen arcade right um this is also the album i forgot that introduces that 12 string tone i think it's yeah never talking to you again mm-hmm. that's bringing in the, the acoustic elements that's going to be prevalent all throughout which is Group that one's too. a grant hart song though really yeah that is a grant uh, hart song and um it is, it is probably like one of my favorite songs and it's probably my second favorite on this album because Nothing can be something I learned today. I know that's like the pleb choice to pick off this album, but yeah. I'm sorry that that song. No, it might be perfect. that it might be it for me as well. <laughs> but never talking to you again is probably right next to it. Um, because I, I I always I love and this is my favorite like acoustics. I'm fine with. But I always find my favorite songs use acoustic is when it's just the acoustic guitar and the singer because mm-hmm. I think you have that more stripped down. Although this is a little more complicated than just a standard folk tune. I understand that. But, you know, when it's just an, it's something about just having the acoustics and a singer really kind of brings a stripped down, like, performance. And right. it's great. Talk about Zen Arcade. Now, Michael, you didn't know that this is a concept record before. <laughs> I didn't want it to be a concept record <laughs> is the problem because when you told me it was a concept record and then you proceeded to tell me what that concept was... <laughs> It sort of made me not listen to it the same way ever again. Uh, <laughs> so here's not to be fair. I didn't really know before doing research for this week. I, I really didn't know what the concept was. I knew it was a rock opera of some kind. And by the way, first of all, if anyone ever says that American Idiot by Green Day was the first punk rock opera, you're wrong because a Green Day is not a punk band, so therefore it's not a punk rock opera. Oh, shots fired. They're not. A, I like Green Day. I do, but I, they're not punk. And B, um, no, because they were beaten two decades prior by Hishkadil. So, uh, would you like me to explain the concept? Yes, I, I want you to explain it the exact way you explained it to me. So uh, it's it's a few days ago. It's uh, it's the concept's fairly hokey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, pretty much the the whole thing. Tell me if you've heard this before. A child is tired of his neglectful parents and his terrible home life. And, you know, it's just so bad. He decides to leave and explore the world only to find out the, the outside world is even worse. Yeah. Um, he, he, he finds religion and then loses it. Uh, I think that's what Hare Krishna is about. He ends up defriending a girl. Mm-hmm. And then, um, as soon, actually, I was going to say a scene taken straight up Breaking Bad. It's actually a scene that Breaking Bad would have ripped off if you've ever seen that show. Um, Pink Turns to Blue is pretty much about, like, that girlfriend, like, ODing. Shit. And then, and so it's a pretty heavy song. That's what, that's what it means pink as in like you know the facial complexion you know someone's yeah, face yeah. then blue 
maybe they're dead. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty heavy song. And then um, but then he does all that, and then you know, with the would you like to would you like me remind you what the twist ending is, Michael? Oh god! Shout out to M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think M Night Sha- at least M Night Shyamalan's twists usually are they're not good, but they're usually no, they're like you, 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 a lot of cases you would well. A lot of cases you wouldn't have seen coming. Some cases you would have. Mm-hmm. I'm not shitting you. It was, it was all, all a dream. dream. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, it was a delirious stay dreaming state. It was a fucking dream. Uh, yeah. All this happened was a dream. Then he realizes that the problems are still there. He says shit parents. And then the world still sucks. And Happy yeah. ending. <laughs> and when you first told me this, I at first just didn't believe it. Because it's like, that's the concept that you think of after the record comes out. And then it's like, Oh yeah, on top of it being so good, it's got a story behind it. No, that, like, that, that, this, but no, you this claim that thing it's actually weaved into the record. Yeah, hmm. that's what it is. That's what that's what I mean. I, you can you can look it up. That's what they say. But when I when I read that, I was like, oh, that's pretty hokey. Um, but here, here's what I have to say. Mm-hmm. First of all, I and this is where a debate will come up here for surely. But despite the hokiness of it, I think a lot of it's still written well. Like Pink Turns to Blue, that's it's a heavy subject, and then you know it's listen to that song. It's not a happy song. Yeah. They, they, they they cover it well, and you know obviously as like a starting track, I guess you know, akin to I don't want to compare them, but I'm going to. This is the closest thing that we have because I can't think of any other actual punk rock or operas. Mm-hmm. Look at like American Idiot, the song. I mean that that's a short two minute song that encapsulates a lot of what the uh, that that album would have talked about, and and it's somewhat similar with something I learned today. You know, it's to talk about a guy who's clearly frustrated with his life and ge- with with his home life, with life in general. And then, you know, it kind of leads into everything, you know, obviously broken heart, broken home, no, broken home, broken heart. Sorry, never talking to you again. Obviously, that's him leaving his home and whatnot. And um, and and then uh, so and then obviously uh, yeah. all, all that stuff is, you know, kind of comp- kind of comes together as a narrative. I, it's told decently well because these guys are very talented people, but mm-hmm. it's still pokey. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I don't know. My here's my thing with a concept album. A concept album is the band getting high during the while writing the music. <laughs> a good music review is someone getting high after the music is released, right? In the aeroplane over the sea. I know it's a pretentious pick, but like, I don't know. There's a, a certain tone that kind of is married with that narrative, um, and I don't really see that on Zen Arcade. While Zen Arcade is very uh, experimental and incorporates a lot of different things like interludes um, yeah like like there's piano on the mm-hmm. song what's going on like yeah i never would have expected to hear that going in and listening to yeah everything falls apart i mean obviously obviously i mean yeah when, when i it would have i would have probably known if i hadn't i would have noticed a concept record if, if i didn't know otherwise but for the record, this is what the band has said. This is kind of what their idea was going into. Yeah, it. and you kind of have to take it as like, if the band says it's a concept record, I guess it's a concept record. But I'm still on the fence as if if they really had a strong... I can see like a concept, like a theme. Like they're thinking like, oh, you know, we'll make like this journey kind of thing. But they, I don't think they had a set narrative in mind when they wrote the music to this album. Well, do you think um, Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card's a concept record? No. But is it? I mean, because what you're talking I don't think it is, but like there is a general. I mean, there is kind of a narrative to mm-hmm. that, though, when you think about it. What is it? I mean, well, well, well I mean, it, it's a, it's a really, it's a really general, but like, okay, 
he misses this girl. He broke up with her many years ago, whenever it was. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, it's kind of the journey, I guess, to try to find, like, just to find her or move on or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. It, so, I mean, I, I, so I do kind of get your point that there can, that albums can have a narrative but not be a concept record. But I think to me, with all this interlude stuff and all the whatever, and the fact that they had this conscious idea, this conscious story in their head going into it. I, I would think it is. Okay. Now that being said, I now it doesn't is, take away from how just beautifully this, this is a great record. record yeah. But then here's gonna be my first controversial opinion. I don't think this is the best Kusukudu album. I mean, maybe I mean I, I could objectively maybe I can kind of see him being argued as that, but just because of the hokey the hokeyness of of the theme and, and just the fact that it's not a I would argue sonically a very consistent record, not necessarily in quality, but more in senses like this. They're still being kind of confused. Like, are we an alternative band? Are we in a hardcore band still? And I mean, while it gives a variety at the same time, I just, it, it does feel a bit messy to me sometimes. So that's why I like it. It's, it's chaotic and it has these, like you said, I know you're not a fan of interludes, but I, I personally, that I mean, that's the reason why I dig this album so much. It's like, it's just so different than anything else I'm I'm going I would be hearing later in in Bob Mold solo or in Sugar or even later Who's Do. It's just it's it's it stands out and it's always stood out for me. Mm-hmm. This this Who's Do sound of Bob Mold being up really sweaty, see sweatier, heavier, uh, mm-hmm. you know, has that flying V. That's that's my fa- that's my image of Bob Mold. That's my what, favorite. What not, say- not our nice old man that we'll get to eventually. <laughs> Yeah, but oh, I will say at least that you know, obviously, yeah, I, I want to hear more stuff like something I learned today. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, that's kind of what it is, but we really didn't get something else like that. Um, although somewhat close to it with the next album, because for me, if I'm your your favorite, my favorite album, yeah. and this is where I kind of think we, me and Michael, have disagreements with. My favorite is New Day Rising, and maybe it's arguably if that's the best or not. I w- I might argue that because. I, I just love it so much. And what, like, remember when, uh, earlier we were talking about just the kind of distortion, the really bright, brittle, high-end distortion. Mm-hmm. I think that's where they really almost probably perfected that on this album. Uh, I, I know you said that's you know, true. That's true. It, it is more guitar-led, but the, it takes away from the experimentation, I think, that well, made may- Zen Arcade so awesome. Well, I, I, I would still think this is a very unique-sounding record in their catalog because of the production that they took yeah it's maybe the songwriting like- isn't as uh, experimental but i like i like when bands try new things i like experimental sounds but you know i can't i'm a punk I think it's be- fan yeah. so and I, I think I that's do why, like, and i think that's sometimes why you like simplicity it. is the best way to go and i think not in my opinion uh, but and even then this album isn't like super simplistic there i mean this isn't your standard punk record it really isn't like mm-hmm. you mean you, like i mean uh celebrate summer has a is four minutes and it has a bit of an interesting um you know structure to it yeah. so i don't know i just i i look at this record and it's like what's well, new the title track by the way which is kind of like in a way they're you know i i love you she's so heavy their version because it's literally just three words <laughs> funny because we were talking about don't the last in dino and that was five words we're now we're not getting to three words oh yeah the next time it's just going to be someone screaming it's gonna be great i just love the that when the guitars come in you have that distortions that wall of sound it just pummels you that it's yeah, but it's great too, it's too simplistic like that's they literally just become a straight rock band on this no record. i don't like, i can't that there's there's not, twinges i mean i'm going i'm going exaggerating for the sake of an argument but like i just see like it, it gets stripped down from what zen arcade was and like it's stripped down but to zen something arcade more accessible just, i think took it too far at times and that's and, and which it happens with experimentation yes i understand that sometimes it doesn't always pay off but, you know i just think lyrically it's still very good and i think musically here's here's what i really love about um new day rising is that it is the perfect bridge between their 
more so than Zen Arcade, between their, their hardcore beginnings and what they would eventually become the alternative band that they're pretty much that they pretty much were by the time Flip Your Wig was out. Mm-hmm. It really, it really, it's a really nice bridge, and it's just this really interesting sound. It is not only in there, in not only in Bob Moult's catalog, but just in music in general. And I don't think there's a lot of albums that really sound like this. I love how this record sounds production wise. And you said you weren't a huge fan of it. I love it to death. I, I love how this record sounds. I think the drums sound really interesting. I'm love- gonna ba- I'm gonna back you up on this. I'm gonna back you up that it is a good bridge. If you look at it as a bridge between the more punk rocky stuff and the more alternative stuff i can i can back you up on that fact but i think but it doesn't stand out as as their best record because they don't have it then you know that that a bridge doesn't mean it was all a dream michael (laughs) never forget it was all a dream fuck it (laughs) but seriously the Girl Lives on Heaven Hill, which I know is a Grant Hart song, but mm-hmm. I love that one. I apologize. It's a great Bob Mills song. Celebrate Summer oh, again. I apologize. Uh, in terms of Psychic Warfare, uh, Powerline, Jesus, that's a great one. Um, so Final One's great. I, I love that. I don't think there's a really, a, uh, except for maybe the weirdness of How to Skin a Cat. I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I don't think there's a bad song on there. I, I think it's just a fantastic weird alternative punk rock album it really had it's a really unique sound record i that's the one i always go for yeah but we're talking about alternative rock and funny enough would you agree from here on out they were pretty much an alternative rock grand yeah for sure and and to gloss over flip your wig if we can for just for the sake of candy apple gray and warehouse as well just just chalk it up as all one but it's it's interesting because this is the point where they start to get they get signed to Warner Brothers Whoa. right after Flip Your Wig. Why not? So I have to make that clear because yeah. Flip the reason f- they I I've heard Bob Mould say Flip Your Wig could have been a Warner Brothers record, mm-hmm. but the only reason they stayed behind with SST is because like you know that is I re- I always hear SST records is like a big family in that era. Yeah. So like they he, they stuck around simply because they were like all right we'll give you one one more record you know yeah. like. For the sake of just being like, all right, we're all one one big family. I don't want to go out. So, yeah. th- what's interesting about this this time period for me, and this is weird because I'm kind of looked as the punk guy, I guess, because mm-hmm. my jacket or whatever. But weirdly enough, like overall, this is probably my preferred era of Fusco Do. As much as I love something I learned today, as much as I love New Day Rising, um, when I when I listen to this, it's like I kind of like it when they were more alternative rock, which I know is bla- punk blasphemy to say. But it, I, I love this, even though they, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but they, they did kind of sell out in this period. I would, if you're, if you're going to change your sound to be more accessible and you're going to go to a major label, I mean, it's hard to say that but you they weren't never, to a Here's degree. the thing with that is they never really got popular. Like even yeah. on Warner Brothers, but they yeah. never well, short, yeah, but they're, 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 to like pop music icons. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're, that, that's, I can't definitely argue with that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you could... I I, I I think that this new search of alternative music was more was like genuine. I don't think they were doing it just to be more popular, but making all these moves, it is a little hard to say in my head that they weren't. But again, I don't mean that's a bad thing. Like I was mm-hmm. telling you earlier, I think if you're looking at like the police, for instance, mm-hmm. they totally sold out when they made Ghost in the Machine and uh, Synchronicity. But Synchronicity is a great fucking album. Mm-hmm. I love that record. And I love this stuff from Who's Could Do. So I don't really mean, I don't always mean that's a knock. Sometimes it is cough Aerosmith cough, but you know, um, I don't know. I, I I really do I really do love this era. Um, I can't uh, deny the hits off this era. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to know. If the only reason I was able to get up this morning for an event that I had to cover at ten, <laughs> and then coming and doing this and 
Uh, I'm, tired. Tired. I'm tired, ladies and gentlemen. It You're was listening. Ice Cold Ice. Yeah, that's a great song. That song got me out of bed. favorite who's could do song is divide and conquer oh the vocals on that one man that rips that's a great mm. one it's one of the few songs i think one of the few who's could do songs i think bob will say today that he still kind of connects to personally right so it, it's a great one um, I, listening back i started to get a new appreciation for warehouse i told you about that but you actually thought like <laughs> it was I, a b-sides no, collection <laughs> so so here's the thing so uh, yeah for for a while, i i didn't i didn't know this was a studio album i i kind of avoided it because it's warehouse songs and stories mm. i when i read that it's like i thought it was spoken word did i tell you that I thought it was spoken word going in. <laughs> I, I thought that's the worst, worst, worst of mine. I saw that. It's like, okay, that's a greatest hits compilation, or that's a B-sides comp. I don't recognize it. That's a B-sides compilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, Warehouse Songs and Stories, that's a title you would give a B-sides compilation or yeah. greatest hits. Yeah. There is, that, that, comp- that sounds exactly like one of those things. But nope, mm-hmm. apparently it's a, it's, I mean, it's got um, well, Bob, probably Bob Mould's biggest, like, commercially successful song in this band, um, you, Could You Be The One. Um but yeah, so, but you know, I, I, I don't know I re- really like really the sounds in this record. Um, even though the band was in a lots of turmoil by the time Warehouse came around. Yeah. So, and this is and this is where we're kind of talking about like with Dino, you know, Jay Mastis was kind of like a dictator with that. Mm. Maybe not to the same extent, but Bob Mould was kind of like that too. I remember seeing a quote, and he was saying Grant Hart, which is like the drummer and the other, I guess, the the Lou Barlow, if you want to say of this yeah. of Husker Du. He pretty much said, "Yeah, you will never have more." than 50% of your songs on a Who's Could Do album, which uh, probably did not make him very happy. And right. if you look at it, if you look at Warehouse, it's 50-50 pretty much. And mm. like it, it would go back and it was pretty much going back and forth, mold, heart, mold, heart. Right. So. Kind of makes it a little inconsistent almost. Yeah, kind of. But, you know. Um, <sighs> makes you appreciate it more, I think, though. Yeah, though. Because he was, I, I don't know much about Grant Hart's post Who's Could Do career. I know he had some solo stuff. But, um, what I've heard, it's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, unlike Dino, it, like Lou, like uh, unlike Lou with Dino, Hart was able to do more with the band than it was with um, uh, in in Husker Du. You know, it is almost kind it it is almost a little akin to uh, kind of George Harrison. I mean, you can make that comparison with, with with Lou as well. But you know, Harrison was always struggling to even get a f- almost get a foot into a Beatles album right and then uh, and Grant was a little more successful with that but that was one of the big reasons why they were having a lot of turmoil was mm-hmm. that rights to song as well as drug abuse and the thing that I think ultimately kind of put the death nail that I think their producer at the time I want to say committed suicide manager, Sorry, manager you're yeah. right yeah so um yeah that ended in 87 80 i think 88 or 80, 87 mm-hmm. so <laughs> i started to realize like all throughout bob mole's career whenever there's a huge evolution in sound or or uh c- career choices there's always a death seems to be maybe yeah sometimes the death is his career <laughs> 
Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that later. Yeah. But, um, but no, so yeah, pretty much by then, um, I don't think he and Holden Hart actually ever really fully patched the, the, the thing. I know they had like a reunion show, I want to say, with Husker Du at some point in the mid-2000s. They did a show. And then um, I think they were working together, put out the, the compilation Savage Young Du. But um, yeah, Hart died in 2017. I don't think they ever really patched things together, which is unfortunate. But I mean, it does suck. I mean, wh- here, where are we gonna go from here? Because we can, we well, can either go into the solo stuff because there's solo material so there's in between. So there's two solo albums after yeah. this. But I thought since it's since it's just such a small kind of thing, and most of his role was after this band, we'll just we'll just go into Sugar real quick. This sure. this won't take as long as but she's could do because there's two albums. Yeah. <laughs> There's two very good albums. Two fantastic. So here's where I'm going to... Here's maybe possible controversial opinion number two, simply because this is kind of a pleb choice. This first, The first Sugar album, Copper Blue, which mm-hmm. was released in 1992, is, from I remember reading, this is his most commercially successful album, Bob Mould, in his entire career. Yeah. He sold over 300,000 copies, I want to say. So maybe it is my pleb choice when I say this is this is his best album. There, there, I don't care. Anything he's done. And here's, here's my real controversial opinion. Um... I prefer Bob Mould's post Huskadoo career over his Huskadoo stuff, which I know Michael disagrees yeah, with wholeheartedly. Hard, hard disagree. I I love Sugar to death. I love his new solo stuff, and a lot of his older solo stuff is really good too. So, but I just I, when I, I listen to fucking Copper Blue, man, I can't. Like here's I Give love me flying V era Mould, man. I no, mean. no, come on. So he, here's so first of all. Here's what I'll say about um, Copper Blue and uh, what's the other one? File Under Easy Listening. Yeah. Um, Copper Blue, I think File Under Easy Listening is kind of like your, it's kind of like what you were saying with New Day Rising, um, be where it is more straightforward. It is kind of a little more punky and it's a little more like kind of just a, you know, it's, it, it, it's it, not it, a lot of memorable moments on that one. Yeah, compared, it, it, at least it, compared to Copper Blue. Yeah. I mean, it does kind of blend together. I really love File Under, but it, it, it is a little more simplistic. Mm. I still love it for it. Which I'm going to contradict myself when I was talking about New Day Rising because that's kind of why I li- like Copper Blue a little bit more. Copper Blue a little bit more because it's a little more eclectic. Now with New Day Rising, I like that record more than Zen Arcade because I just think it has the production there, and that's mm-hmm. why I really like it. I love the sound on that more than I do Zen Arcade. It, it was, what's really nice about hearing Copper Blue, though, production-wise, is that he actually this is the first time where he sounds like he has Bob Mould actually has some kind of professional production going on. Mm. This 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 album has probably this is the first time I think one of his albums has ever Husker Du solo whatever has had really any strong punch to it with the guitars, yeah, with the riffs writing and just everything he was able to do. And it, again, it's super clocked. You got slow songs, acoustic stuff. Yeah. Um, you go into the first track, the act we act. Yeah, it's like it's got like that sludgy oh, kind of yeah. riff. It's like. Whoa, where did this come from? Yeah. It's like I think th- I think he had a lot more resources at his disposal yeah. so, at this point. Yeah. So um I wanna ask you this though, because I I I think Copper Blue is my favorite album. I'm not entirely sure. Like I, I go back for between New Day Rising, mm-hmm. Copper Blue, and Patch Sky, which again we'll talk about later. But unequivocally, my favorite song of Bob Mold out of his entire career is on this record. Yeah. I wanna know what's your favorite song off of Copper Blue? Uh, a good idea. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, that's, it just it, cause that's it not had, mine, but because okay. it had this like it, it reminded me of the Pixies a little. <laughs> I can cut you. You can pick up. Go to ideal. Yeah. I can hear that. I can hear that. Okay. Well, it's a bit of a pleb choice, Michael, but that's Fuck fine. You. That's All right. I'm joking. So, but no. But here's here's the thing though. Maybe my choice will be a little obvious when I tell so, you. Wait. Can I take a guess? Yeah. Changes. No. Helpless. No. Um. It's not. It's not really one of the hits. Man on the moon. No. 
what is it? Fortune teller. This is this was like one of like it is one of those songs that's like they just love on first listen. It really is because I remember this is this is why I was introduced to Sugar, is when when, when that song I was I think it was on Spotify. I was listening to like a Bob Mole like radio, it's like a Bob Mole curated radio station, mm. and I didn't recognize it as his voice at first. Actually, when I researched what the hell Sugar, I was like, oh, this is a Bob Mole project. That makes sense. But that song came on, and that opening riff came on, and just everything just so. It is like Hughes could do where it's so much emotion. It's just packed in that, those, those guitars and that mm-hmm. riff. And that's why I love Bob Mould so much. I think it's condensed down to almost fortune teller why I love him because he's able to make such emotional, like personable music right. with loud, while still being loud, a bit raucous and sometimes very fast. And I think that's what fortune teller does very well. I love his vocals on here. I even love, I love the lyrics too. I st- this, this, I really hate the fact that I'm terrible at interpreting lyrics because I don't know what the fuck he means by it's a fortune teller. I don't know. Maybe it's not that good or maybe I, I just think it's because I suck mm-hmm. at interpreting lyrics. But God, I just love fortune teller to bits and pieces. If you're going to listen to any song, for me personally, if you're going to listen to any song I have today, if it's like uh, not fully convinced, just at least make it fortune teller. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And if it's going to be an album for you, Copper Blue? Yeah, prob- prob- I'd probably still pick Copper Blue. Maybe... New Day Rising, but mm-hmm. um, maybe even Past the Sky. I don't know. Again, it kind of bounces back and forth between those records for me. But yeah. song-wise, it is fortune teller. Can we get into what I thought was the highlight of Mr. Mold? Sure. The first couple solo albums. So you want? Oh, we're jumping to solo now. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, um, pretty much your thoughts and sugar just to wrap that up first. I mean, legendary music for, for a sure. legendary phenomena. In music, even history. though it's only two records, and yeah, it, it's short and sweet, but short and the, sweet. Be, the best, the best things are, isn't that right? Uh, do, do you know? <laughs> do you know how? Do you know how it came up with the the name Sugar? Why? It's very obvious. They were literally sitting at a restaurant, and, and they saw, oh, I heard this, and they saw, saw a sugar packet of sugar, and it was like, how about sugar? How about sugar? <laughs> yeah, awesome. Anyways, all right. Now we All get right, into start the meat. sucking yeah. off workbook, you pleb. I mean, th- this is a pleb choice. No, I? it isn't. But it, it's it. it I, I just knew. Like, I, I knew you were gonna love this music overall. Just everything mm-hmm. you were gonna listen to. Maybe not District Line, but uh, I just I just th- I, I knew think... workbook was like gonna be your favorite. And I was like, yeah. I know he's gonna I, think how, it. Well, how did you know that based on like? Because I know because you because as much as I know you like a lot of r- loud rock as music, and I can tell you kind of go for some of the more indie folk stuff too a lot, and you really like acoustics. And I like acoustics too. I I don't know if I like them as much on workbook. I love workbook too. I I don't don't mistake that. I do really like workbook, but it's like I knew you're gonna say workbook, and I love a lot of his solo records after this record. So, but okay, but I'm gonna give you the floor. Why is workbook like the greatest thing since sliced bread? Well, I mean, <laughs> just like <laughs> it's weird. Well, I mean, first of all, you get fucking sunspots, which is 
it's the a, exact opposite of what I expected here from the front man of Husker fucking yeah. do. Like it was this awesome, like jangly, jazzy it was, plucking. It's like, an acoustic intro. Mm-hmm. I don't know how what special it is, but there you it's go. so technical. Oh, it's it, like it was, almost it a, it's a very nice guess. intro. Don't get me wrong. For an acoustic intro, it's very nice, but yeah, just like the strangest, most beautiful turn of events I could ever experience. And then you get fucking wishing well, wishing well, which is my favorite song, on which this is record. just this epically composed thing with build up. Up until about like the two thirty mark, and then the electric tones kick in. I will give you. I love wishing well. That, yeah. that is my favorite song. It's off so this good. good and then it just when those electrics kick in it just elevates the song to a whole new level um that i specifically love the 12 string tone on compositions for the young and old that was a good one top notch with and the synth tones really too, like married lo- in there pretty well yeah, i like lonely afternoon this song comes right after it on mm-hmm. that one too but this whichever way the wind blows fuck what a good song it was it be- that's better than wishing well in my opinion yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't see what you're thinking. It that. sounds so badass. I, like it sounds like I it, think my issue. It's if it, it's too. It's a little. It sounds a little too sluggish to me. It's it's not always, It's it's a fairly heavily distorted like electric distorted song, along with being mid paced in six minutes. I like a, a combination of all that stuff really kind of irks me. I don't. I don't. It's not, it's not like I don't like it, but it's like I don't see that. I see that being one of the weaker songs on the album. It, I, yeah. It, it's for me it's just like so badass it's just like dead or alive you know how it kind of has like a little western kind of swing Are you comparing out? bob mold to bon no, jovi no no i'm just saying like this song just sounds like a badass like, <laughs> like comparing bob like, mold to bon jovi i will never forgive you for this but it's it's got oh like my those God, it's got like those tasty licks in it it's like tasty licks. it's it blends the guitar tone that i think like elements that's present all over Bob Mould's career. Like you got a little shoegazy, a little noise rock, little psychedelic elements in it, there. It with is a very the punk rock attitude. Maybe I don't know about the punk rock attitude. I get I I, I don't mind. It's like I don't hate the folk approach. I do. It's just I don't know. It just it doesn't connect with me as much as his later solo work. And do you prefer? Black Sheets of Rain, which takes a definite more electric approach. Honestly, yes. Yeah, I do prefer Black Sheets, and I almost wanted to say, I almost wanted to say all those all those people know off this record is my favorite, just to piss you off because it's like the only like non folk song on there. <laughs> you like that transition? Was, well, I didn't catch it. Oh, I just it? seamlessly went into. Oh, you like Black Sheets of Rain? Right. The next album in our order here. Yeah, but okay, but no. So, um, Black Sheets, I like I like I like Black Sheets a lot. Like when I was first. 
Honestly, this is this is one I neglected um, before listening to this. I didn't really know much about Black Sheets, but God, this was great. Wasn't too keen on the seven minute, almost eight minute opener. I didn't think it needed to be eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, that was a little long. But Stand Guard, oh, wow. those guitars sound great on that one. Mm-hmm. It's too late. It's a great single. Like Stop Your Crying as well. Um, Stop Your Crying is the best fucking song I've ever heard ever. <laughs> like, wait, that's an exaggeration, exaggeration. But like, I had to stop you in your tracks for a second to tell you how good that song is. No, that's a great that's a great one like um, i don't understand how like honestly hear, hear you hear me calling might be my favorite off this i really like disappointed and on for did this i think this is an overall much more consistent record i i would okay the only reason i favor uh workbook over black sheets is because the pacing on this one is just a little off for me a little too slow yeah i mean like did you think if they you had can argue that down the, the title track it would have been better um honestly if I would have listened to it from the end, where because you would argue that the B side actually has a couple tracks that are a little more punky, so yeah. it's like if I, I mean, listened to the album from end to beginning, I might have had a different perception okay. on it. Okay, like I, it might have been better than Workbook, arguably. Yeah, it's weird, but like it's <laughs> yeah, just I, the pacing I, in the beginning. If you just revert mirrored the album. It would have had a completely different. That's an interesting because you know I I will say starting off the 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 album with a an almost eight minute song that's a bit mid paced. Yeah, that I, I will agree that definitely killed me. I think if it had started off with even then if you had even just moved black sheets for me to the end and just kept yeah. everything else the same, I think that would have been fantastic. It would have been a good closure. Because, because, like, it would have been a really solid because closure. Because a, a thing that I detect across all Bob Mode's solo stuff is that he closes albums perfectly. Mm-hmm. Even on even on shitty records <laughs> like District Line. Like a cl- the closure... Oh, I didn't the like closing, the closure in District Line. No, no, no. no. The, well, once I, when I get there, I'll explain because the second to last track should have been the closure. Okay. But anyway... But, but but he he's really great at making these closures, and I think yeah. uh, the, the title track would have served as a better closure yeah. than an opener, you know. So that's my opinion yeah. on those two records. I but, love work. I love them both. Like literally, dude, you have to understand that these records. This is like my new shit now. Like you got I, me I, some good shit. I here. really thought the merge records would have been your shit more so. Well, than these. Is there, I do like those definitely. Well, we'll, we'll get but, to those though. But I just favored these more. And it's interesting. So, but. Uh, as much as I really do like these two records, um, the next one we're going to talk about real quick is probably my favorite yeah, uh, yeah. of this 90s brief, solo. Brief on this one, though. Yeah. And then, but but my favorite stuff comes way later. So, mm. um, so yeah, Bob was kind of getting uh, more depressed than usual. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was funny because if you want to talk about Workbook, I mentioned this to you. I saw an interview and some guy brought up like a review mm-hmm. that um, uh, someone like made about, wor- about Workbook yeah. and they wrote it said, Bob Mould must be the most depressed man in all of rock music. Right. And then Bob Mould quit back. It's like, wow, I've been on Morrissey. How did I do that? Well, you, I'll, I'll brief this real quick. Is like You have to understand that the dude has a lot of pent-up pressure, um, not only as a, as a gay man, yeah. but as a, a... I know he had a troubling t- childhood. Mm-hmm. He specified a few different times. Um, the, the relationship between him and Grant Hart can't be easy no at that time so i mean i i it's not like i don't understand it and i know he comes i'm not not, not like discrediting him it's just mm-hmm. i don't know I, I honestly i just thought the morrissey joke was a little funny <laughs> no but like it, but no, it, it I, all I, reflects definitely. on this album his self-titled often <laughs> referred to as hubcap by the way yeah also yeah so so there's a couple so first of all i think this probably would have been around the time where 
an, I, I don't know what magazine uh, publicly outed him as a gay man. Which, mm-hmm. to be honest, I mean, when when I, when when I when someone brought that up in an interview, he was like, I mean, like he like maybe it was just more of a reflective state. But like from my understanding, he was just kind of like, well, I've, a lot of people already knew anyways. It was kind of an open secret. Right. So it, I don't I don't think. So, but yeah, certainly that for sure, because it would have not been a good time, even in punk music, especially actually probably in punk music, to be a, a gay man. But, you know, I think he, I, I imagine there were breakups happening. He was getting, re- it was really interesting to hear on this self-titled record mm-hmm. that dude was like super insecure about his like songwriting abilities. Like mm-hmm. his artic, you look at that, like a lot of those songs were just like, ooh, it was like, wow. Like some, some of, got a little a hard to of, listen to at times. A lot of them like kind of started and ended the same way with like a, like picking like kind of arpeggios yeah. and stuff like that and which would set up a great sad tone um if you use them sparingly yeah um but the record overall is is, is very dark yes <laughs> like, and which is honestly which is why i probably like it so much it's very personal mm-hmm. by my favorite song here is a weird one i love to thumbtack Either, either the lyrics to that one is either like super like cringy teenage love ant- like things or just the picture that he paints is just brilliant. Yeah. It's really one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I I, a, I really like this one. So yeah. And there's another one in this era too that we we both didn't listen to the because last it dog and pony wasn't show. on Spotify. Right? Yeah, because did Huffcap, actually all the records that all his, the, the last dog and pony show, which was the, last rock album and i have to specify rock album uh after this one and then the dark um, ages yes <laughs> the last um, and then um along with hubcap but yeah so because he was i think he was also really getting really tired of the alternative scene by the by token the fact that there's a song on hubcap called i hate alternative rock right. i mean i don't know how much clearer you can be than that but um last song on pony show was kind of single his end to a break to music instead he started writing for something a little bit different mm-hmm. <laughs> he started writing scripts for the rest that the now deceased long deceased wrestling promotion wcw yeah. and uh i love how you said it like wcw that, like a real wrestling that, fan yeah that's how people say it, <laughs> wcw but no uh it's uh yeah i won't, won't stay on this point too long but if anyone knows anything about late late 90s early 2000s wcw Let's just say that his, if he was writing for them at the time, let's just say his talent as a songwriter nowhere near translates to talent as wrestling scriptwriter. Leave it at that. No, I do want to ask you this, though. Okay. If he was a wrestler, what would his gimmick be? <laughs> I think he would just, like, beat people over the head with, like, his, uh, his flying V. I'd just <laughs> like to see that happen. And he'd sweat eternally. Like, he'd wear a white T-shirt and he'd just sweat through it, <laughs> like, immediately. <laughs> there were already there was already people in there there doing smashing people over with guitars. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. They, they all had like team. a country vibe though. Like, where's the rock star that yeah. beats people? They with were a actually during this time, WCW had a th- contract with Kiss. 
Oh, and part of it was that they had to have a wrestler called the Kiss Demon that looked like Kiss and he wrestled. Disgusting. Terrible. No one anyway. cared. <laughs> Let's. But now, but but we, but, we, we know, can I make this segue? Yeah, I go, go. But even though Rob Old never took his shirt off when he was in the wrestling business, they, when he was living in New York, he started taking his shirt off playing a DJ. No, fine. That's terrible. It was better in my head. He's also taking his shirt off to get some action as well, now that he's out. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> but no, but no, he, 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 he became a DJ. He, he was living in New York, and then he decided to explore the DJ scene, and holy mother of God. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> I, we both didn't... We no, both so didn't. the next album, actually, after... Because he decided to return to music after wrestling. It's a weird thing to say. He started making electronic music, and he made this weird... All, almost a strictly electronic album called Modulate. It was a bit, there was some guitar in there too, but I mean, it has its fans from my understanding, but I mean, I gave it, I gave a few song clip listens. I was like, no, <laughs> don't, Michael, don't. If you thought, if District Lines broke your heart, don't, don't listen, don't yeah. listen to this one. But anyways, yeah, so we, we won't talk about his blow-off, his DJing or blow-off compilation, but it is important to mention it for these for body of song and district lines. Which yeah, because you start to get this awkward slow transition <laughs> out of that yeah. phase, um, which at some points can work, but other but at most points it just it falls Do, flat he, on its face. So here's the thing: I didn't. I know you you kind of call district lines a hot mess. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree because I think overall when you look at body, especially body of song, but I would argue for district line too. There, the good does outweigh the bad. Because seriously, it's not like it's like a pers- the the. the the only real issues I have with these albums, because I don't mind the, all the, the, the keyboard and the electronica as a rule. I actually kind of enjoyed instrumentally some of it. Sure. Yeah. The no, thing that really threw me out of this stuff was when he was using autotune. Oh, my God. That was bad. That was highlighted on, on District Lines. Yeah. Was- but, but, but here's the thing. It's not a persistent problem throughout the entire records. There are songs that do, a lot of the songs don't use them or it's used sparingly, mm-hmm. at least. Um so, because obviously, songs from this period, uh, Return to Dust, Silence Between Us, um, Circles, I love Circles, and uh, I really, High Fidelity. I really liked Paralyzed, Off Body of Song. I did not oh, like that one. That it was, one was too, okay it was, it was, that one was too electronic-based. I didn't like it. I don't know. I think, I think There's actually was... a live version. Of, there's a live album called um, uh, Live at AP, a, ATP 2008. Mm-hmm. It actually has that on there and it's a really good it's it's all electric a paralyzed i think you'd like that one better okay. i liked it a lot better um i couldn't catch on to the feeling of days of rain on on uh body of song but beating heart the prize i think was a good like i said this is when he starts to highlight closing I, albums pretty well I, I, as body of song progressed it, it did the, all the, the most like the second half of that record it was pretty much de- almost devoid of autotune mm-hmm. so which was nice but so but anyways um but yeah, so overall, you weren't you were not a very big fan of this of these two records. No, definitely not. Especially District Lines with that just opening track. Oh my god, oh, that that that, that was awful. a bad one. That was actually that actually made me lightheaded, like physically lightheaded listening yeah, to it. The mixing was horrible. That's one that I need you to throw in there, Brent, just to show people how awful oh, this song sounds. Do it's it, called Brent. "Stupid Now."
there's a return song called, to dust yeah return to dust great. is good it's a great song so that that's like again though i give it a if we're talking the anthony fantano scale i give this fine late to these and six but mm-hmm. i don't know it, it it definitely his weakest solo output i would argue with these two but um they're still good to be found but anyways um, i think it, i think the uh district lines would have gone up one letter grade if he would have closed it with miniature parade um that one has some good synth synth tones on it. I wasn't crazy. Pretty about exceptional. It pretty much shelter me and everything else. Yeah. It brings back violin that was on workbook that I I uh, took a liking to. So there was some strings on uh, the new album. Oh yeah. Yeah. So but we'll we'll get to that. Um, I mean, next album, Life and Time. It's not really much worth mentioning. Yeah, I liked is, Argos. Last... I like MM Seventeen, but. Yeah. I mean, it's it's I, I okay, I'm never bored listening to a bobble. That that's something I really found. I'm never bored listening to any of See, his. This work. is this is after District Lines, after the disappointment that that gave me, I started to get bored, and it sucks because the you you highlight them because Life and Times is the last record before he signs to Merge, mm-hmm. which is which is what you claim is where it, when it really starts to get good, and I and I don't deny that because there's definitely like the album Silver Age. It's my favorite out of the new stuff, and it sounds perfect, but. Life and Times, I slept through this album practically. I, I I think boring. I I think I was driving when I was listening to this one, and honestly, it was it was it was I, I really I really enjoyed and like because like I think with this one it was, I mean you got a bit I swear you got a bit of auto tune on like the first two songs here, mm-hmm. which is like oh no 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 no, but then it was just kind of like a okay so that went on okay no this is like a really good precursor of what of what was to come. This was like pretty much signaling okay this is the musical direction I'm gonna go. And that's when he signed on to merge. And honestly, this is solo wise, this is where I'm at. Because this is part of the because this is where I entered. Oh, but yeah. Silver Age, Beauty and Ruin, Patch of Sky, even the new one, Sunshine Rock, these are all, in my eyes, phenomenal records. Seriously, I love these. I love the sound. I love the guitar. I love how the guitar sound in here. He's just, they're so organic sounding, especially after listening to fucking District Line. And uh, just, just, just listening to just him open up about it. these are really dark, especially in Patch of Sky. These are really dark records, and mm-hmm. um, this just it really, it's just so emotional, and this is really just encapsulates again why I love this man's work so much. Now, here's the thing: I, where I'm coming from is I do agree with you on a lot of those points, except it's not, I don't believe it's as consistent as you're making it out to be. Silver Age was awesome. You got tracks like. Uh, Round the City Square. It's a great song. The, the Descent ti- is yeah, great, too. The Descent is great. Um, what's the the one with angels in it? Uh, what's um, that song called? Angels Rearranged. Yeah. Great one, too. Perfect. And then there's then there's a song called um, the the song that has Hercules in the name. Hercules. Uh, St- Steam of Hercules. Yeah. That one sounds like farm-era dinosaur junior. So I was just like, I hopped <laughs> it's, on it's, that it's immediately. It's a fun one, too. I do it, like it. It, it bleeds a lot of tones together. The, the, honestly, cool. if we're talking about... But here's... I think it was, we're going to disagree here because if we're talking like solo record... Like the, this era of Bob Mold, honestly, I think this is probably... Even though I love this record, it's probably my least favorite. Mm. It, 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 it jumps back between, between this one and the new record. Um, So I don't really know which... It's my least favorite because I just think all these records are super, like, again, I know you disagree, but I, I do think these records are super consistent. Like, I know you weren't as big a fan of Beauty and Ruin, but no. God damn, I love that record from start to finish. Like, I was just like, what is Michael not seeing here? Because I love this so much. Um, oh, it, there's just tons of weird things that, like, mess up my trip through it. it like, so forgiveness. Good. It has, like, 
I almost like hear like Hawaiian influences really? in it at some point. Yeah, like uh, there's I like these weird harmonic tones. Let the beauty be tomorrow morning. Oh, that's a gr- I really like that one. But for I'll me, give you fire in the city. That fire, one's a fire, fire in the city is good too. But yeah. tomorrow morning is one that precedes that. I think that one's even better. I mm. do love that one. But little glass pills easily the best song. Little glass pills is good. It's a fucking exceptional song. first hearing it's like what is this it was one of those things where i first heard it's like my this is great i love the acoustic intro they introduce like piano in like the final riffs it's just super like hectic it's just so it's it reminding me this one this song actually reminded me a lot of like Sen arcade era husker do with how much he was screaming no, no how much with all with like the acoustics that were kind of dancing in there with how much he was he was almost screaming this is the closest he's got to like screaming at this point yeah, right. with like lots of emotion and just a bit of angst but just just so much despair it's like this is this is the kind of emotions i feel like when i'm listening to like something i learned today so okay like i like i said beauty and ruin for me it just falls short like i just wish there was just a little bit more there i i don't Um, know maybe i'm just again i maybe i think I don't want to say my standards are lower, but I'm, I I don't know. I just this 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 is this kind of music's like straight up my alley. Yeah. It's just this kind of like I guess dinosaur rock, if you want to call it. I've I'm heard to- it yeah, I'm totally gonna agree with you on on patch the sky. Patch though. the sky is my probably my favorite Bob. It was Moles. good. It was a good this one. is my favorite Bob Mold solo record. Yeah, it's good. It's not. It's good. It, I don't think. No, no, no. It's a solid. I, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll exaggerate. It's a solid, well put together record, and it's it's definitely gonna live live up there for a while. But as good as workbook and black sheets, yes, no. better, better, no, yes. Oh, you kidding me? This is, I mean, again, this is, I'm partly biased here because again, this is where I, this is the album. This is where you started. This is where I started. So, voices in my head, at the end of things. Those are the two that really got me into his music. Really got me to understand. But seriously, everything I'm looking at, I always even like. I was starting to think actually, like it's been. When I was looking at the track, I was like, oh, some of these songs are weak. But even like those, some of the songs I consider weak, like Lucifer and God, I actually really found to really be enjoying that. I one. actually have that listed as one of my faves. But they, uh, this one has some backstory to it too, right? So this one and kind of Beauty and Ruin to mm-hmm. sense. Like I know Silver Age to Pastor Sky, they're kind of supposed to be an unofficial trilogy. Because yeah. I think what I don't know if it was during the songwriting practice, but I know at least shortly before. Beauty and Rune came out. Bob Mould's father died, and they were. I know you said, even though they had some issues in the past, like you mentioned to me, that they were fairly close. But when, when, when they, they, had, they were very close when his father passed away, and then shortly after Beauty and Ruin is when his mother passed away. Mm. So there was um, some unfortunate circumstances there, and um, so what had happened was uh, 
and that's kind of where past the sky came out and it was a much darker like there was some darkness on beauty and ruin but uh there it was it was lyrically a very dark record with past the sky mm-hmm. so um that's kind of when so that's why it kind of sounds the way that's why i love it because it's just so much emotion and dis- despair and honestly kind of and this sounds really mean but hear me out it's why i'm not as big a fan of the the newest album which came out early this year sunshine I do, rock uh, yeah i am with you on this except for the title track i love the title track. title track is great. no I, I think this whole record's solid i do i love this whole record mm, maybe nah. not not camp it's not sunshine. solid don't say it's solid no it is solid mm. except camp sunshine i do not like that one but well, um, i love camp sunshine what the fuck it's so cheesy. I know, and that's why I love it. Here's here's the thing, though. Here's here's that. I think this is where it comes down to it. I'm a pessimistic bastard, is why. And here's Shady, the thing, right? Here's the thing, though, because although, and, but and, and maybe this explains why I'm a little confused by the coverage. Because I remember hearing everyone coming out. This, this oh, by the token, this album's called Sunshine Rock. This is three years removed from Past the Sky. Mm. He's living in Berlin now. He's trying to move on from trying to be a happier guy. Essentially, it's like everyone's like, this is going to be happy. This is going to be a super upbeat, happy record. I'm like. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, see, stop being a pessimistic asshole. So, but no, here, Camp Sunshine is great, man. Like Camp the, Sun, no, the reverb Sunshine. tones on no, that. No, I, I love Sunshine Rock. I love Sunny Love Song because th- those are like super like sugary. People are not happy. Gonna, songs. People are gonna get so confused with the amount of sun is in these names. Oh my god, there's every a lot sun, of sun. Every, like every there, sun is a common use trope in this record yeah. completely. But no, no, I, no, Camp Sunshine. I'm reading. It's like slow and it's like pink in this scene about it's a camp and everyone's here. So happy! Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Like, it's like, don't make me barf. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> but no. But here's, but no. So overall, this everyone's saying it's supposed to be a happy record, and some of this stuff, like Sunshine Rock, Sunny Love Song, Jess Camp Sunshine, and probably send a postcard. Send me what, a postcard. I loved. Well, no, actually, not send a postcard. Um, what's his son? Do no, we no, just like agree? Oh, you do. Like I don't know. I'm saying those songs to me is like okay. These this show a happier Bob Mold actually being happy for once, okay. which is nice. But everyone's like, this album's a super happy record. Most of these records sound like they belong in past the sky, if you ask me. Like, mm. there's a, there's still a lot of darkness. There's literally a song here called Lost Faith, for mm. God's sakes. There's Sin King, I Fought, Irrational Poison, The Final Years, 30 Dozen Roses, which is essentially this, like, a just a really, like, a love song, like a sour love song. It's right. like, I'm looking at this, like, most of this record's still pretty dark, which, honestly, it was a to be honest, a pleasant surprise for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not, not. I'm very happy that he's happier now. I'm glad he's found peace, living in Berlin, and he's able to, to start moving on from you know, all the despair. I'm not saying I don't want that for him, and I understand why that's probably better for a lot of other people. This just in: Andrew wants all of his musicians to be fucking depressed. No, <laughs> so they can. Yeah, well, can, can here's get the, the well, it's not even that because here's the thing: I, listen, I love Van Halen. Yeah, Van Halen's like, I mean, they're they're not dark. Mm-hmm. Maybe they had some dark moments on. Uh, Fair warning, but like, you don't think of them as a dark band. You don't think of the guys who made Hot for Teachers as a dark band. No, but and I like him for that, and, and I, th- I think I think that's just kind of like this is kind of a Bob Mole thing. When when I listen to him, he he makes very emotional uh, music about depression and just sadness and just those those kind of emotions, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I want from him. And and again, I like when people try something new. And again, and I like I, I like even like Sunshine Rock and Sunny Love Song, as saccharine as they are, I think they're great. I just personally, for me, it's just that's why it kind of knocks down for me because it's, it's not as solid as I would say past the sky for that those reasons. Okay. But overall, I think it's a, I I know Michael's gonna disagree. I still even think that one's a really good record, and I'm, I just I just love this merge. 
he's this merch signing. And honestly, for me, it was the best choice he ever made in his career. And mm-hmm. it's it's he's he's been going on a career renaissance. I don't does, even think does signing to a different label like that like does it actually af- like uh, somehow affect his sound? Like, I mean, it could. I mean, like, obviously, is there were, were there any contract stipulations that were thrown in that you're aware of? Not that, that I know of, okay. but like I just, I just, you, you can, de- I just definitely notice a a huge increase in quality. From yeah, even like sure. even though while Life and Time was just kind of like a was 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 very akin to this the sound that that came on from the merge, but like Silver Age, I think it's much. Even though I do like Life and Times. Silver Age is just an, it's just a clear jump to me. It's like yeah. in quality. So oh, it's for like, sure. For sure. and I, I think maybe so. Obviously, the obvious connection for me is him going to merge. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if he had gone to just any other record label, if he just gone independent, maybe he would still be making music this good. But as far as I, I mean, the the the, the common correlation here is that merge seemed to have been the big change. And honestly, he's been just again. I think we're going on a career renaissance. I mean, he he he's like what 58 at this point, and he's still making this really energetic. You yeah, know, he is. He is an alternative he, music. He's an energetic guy, and he's he appears all over. You know, new pop music. He's he's with Foo Fighters yeah. a lot. Although he 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 actually wrote a couple songs on um, Concrete Gold, I think, and um, I know he wrote a couple he's on, on Concrete Wasting. Gold too. I think so. I think I saw that. I could be wrong there, but I know he just wrote to him for Wasting. There was Light. a lot of guests on Concrete Gold, so I, that wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah, although he did write a couple songs for Wasting Light, which is. One of the Food Fighters' best records, although I think he wrote like the weakest songs on oh, that album, yikes. which is unfortunate because he's a because I don't think you'll disagree with me there. He's a phenomenal songwriter. Yeah, yeah. So no, dude, I don't want I don't want to undermine the solid fact that you got me in to some really good music here. Yeah, and I would recommend it for anybody. Yes, yeah, so for any if wherever you stand on the um. On the approachability of rock music, mm-hmm. wherever you're gonna enter that, Bob Mold's got something for you. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're more of an underground guy, go ahead and listen to some early Husker Du. If you like Foo Fighters and a little more popular sound, go ahead and listen to Patch the Sky or 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 something like that. Bob Mold's got something for you if you like rock music. And I just happen to love pretty much other than the. DJing stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, even got even if you're into that, he's, he's got there. something for you. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, though, I mean, I, I love pretty much everything he's done. Like, I, I will, I will admit, I am now a Bob Mole fanboy. If you could start a Bob Mole counter on the videos, <laughs> um, no, you got you got me into a fan. Uh, you got you turned me into yes. a fan as well. I never want to hear a guy that have shitty music, Michael. I shitty mean, music. Taste, I mean, Michael. you do. But no, anyway, what, mm. <laughs> you like I, you too. You I'm shut going, up. I'm going to go home tonight, and on my walk back, I'm going to listen to Husker Du and uh, Bob Mold solo and Sugar, and I'm going to f- probably fall asleep to, to it tonight as I wake up tomorrow and journey into Weezer. I thought I, I, I thought you were gonna um, say that you're gonna wake up to journey. I'm like, what? Uh, I'd rather die actually. I'd rather <laughs> die in my sleep if that's if that's cool. But uh, yeah, no. Oh. Tomorrow uh, tomorrow I'll start my journey into Weezer because that is next week's so, episode. We'll, we'll we'll get back to that in a second yep. because one more thing I want to ask you before we get into recommendations. Sure. And we'll talk about we'll tease next week's episode. Overall, I know I know it's still gonna be Husker Du, but overall, just looking sh- between Sugar Solo Husker Du, what is your favorite Bob Mold? album listen i can't i can't get away from early husker do however you've turned me on to (laughs) what if i just left it there (laughs) just say what is it if it's sun arcade that's fine just say no 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 no. (laughs) you didn't catch my joke but anyway i i you 
woke me up to sugar as being just like this perfect rock phenomena that just occurred and died out so yeah. suddenly and i wish it would have lasted a little longer and then you I. showed me the wonderful world of bob mold solo and those those first two records that are going to hold a special place in my heart for many years to come um so yeah i'm i i'm very appreciative of this episode i did not expect to have this much oh fun i, I, I knew you're gonna love it i knew you're gonna love yeah. this music i so. knew because I, I see, I, I even I would never recommend you listen to. Well, I know I, I tried to a little bit for extreme, but I would never recommend you a hair metal band, right? Because I know you would hate it. I would never recommend seventies like rock. Because I, as previously as you before the episode, you made fun of me for liking Foghat. Yeah, fuck Foghat. I like Foghat. Fuck you. Fine. <laughs> they're live. Hey, they're they're great live musicians. Yeah. They, they do have kind of that. Not want to say jam band. Like they don't have that sound, but they 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 do they do jam. Like they do the actual act Sorry, of but jamming. I don't have I don't have another I don't have room in my life for another jam band right now. I got, oh, no, I got half I got half the Grateful Dead already in me. I'm starting to get into fish. Gee, and like geez. I'm just you turning have, into my dad, dude. You'll have room for any for much at all. I don't have I don't have, I don't jam have, bands. I don't have any room for like the Almond Brothers or anything. Oh jeez, all the Almond Brothers aren't that good. <laughs> I don't like the Almond Brothers. But uh but no, so um yeah. Pretty much, um, I would recommend again for me, Past the Sky, New Day Rising, or just Copper Blue. It's for, one of the three. For me, it's Zen Arcade, um, Warehouse now, okay. and and the first two Bob Mold solos. Those are those are my those are my okay. are gonna well, be my new albums, man. But yeah, but no, I'm I'm very happy that you've at least gone to appreciate a lot of this music, yeah. and um, hope our viewer or our listeners can as well. Yeah. So, um, but no, seriously. Anyways, um, do you have a recommendation? Yes, I do. What did, what's the recommendation? I planned, it at the, I planned it at the last moment. Um, I know you did because because you said shit when I asked you if you had a yeah. recommendation. <laughs> um, I delve into jazz occasionally, as we've as we've discovered, and okay. I'm into a. God, listen, listen to how this next sentence is going to sound. I'm into a contemporary jazz group oh, called no. Bad Bad Not Good. And, Hipster. And Brent's giving me the thumbs up. But anyway, they are. <laughs> you ready for? Uh, oh, ready so for his a friend likes it. It's clearly hipster choice. Yeah. Let's let's not make fun of our boy over here because this is some I good. This Don't is real, actually pretty approachable music, especially okay. on their first record. Um, I don't know how. I don't know if it's just called Three or like I I I or whatever. Three, okay. But um, they recorded some uh, a remix or their own take on the Legend of Zelda soundtrack. Um, oh, no. The title theme, Saria's song, and Song of Storms um, from Ocarina of Time, and I'm a huge fan of the legend of zelda series and to hear them being remade by one of my favorite contemporary jazz groups is You're very a hipster nerd it's not <laughs> it's it's really cool and it's and it's relaxing and it's stuff to you know put on when you're when you're working or falling asleep or whatever and it's, but it's 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 definitely really cool and the band itself is really cool i mean <laughs> if you want to like if you want to say you're into jazz but you don't want to listen to you know the good like the early stuff like start here because this is a cool this is a cool band and they have so many cool ideas um and I'm, and I and I love hearing that they're releasing new music they just do things differently than anybody I've ever heard so that's my recommendation for today bad bad not good is the band name um no spaces all capital letters um cuz that that's just how fucking awesome they are it's the title theme of Ocarina of Time with Saria Song and Song of Storm.
I, hmm. Looking at this, I don't know if I really want to recommend this. Not because I don't think it's good, because I think it's really good. But mm. I, I, you know me. I try to recommend something that people probably have never heard of. Right. Something like that. I don't think I mean, a lot of people would know that. But um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with this, even though they have two, two thousand, almost 30,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. I think that's at least small enough to get away with it. So they're the kind of like a span that I think they're a big underground kind of hit. And I did, there was a specific reason why I picked them is because um, overall they kind of remind me a lot of New Day Rising era Yusker mm-hmm. do in the sense of how they sound. Not exactly, nowhere near exactly, but they're, there's, they're, they do have some of that really brittle distortion, mm-hmm. and they have like this really rough but emotional lead singer. I don't know what his name is, but they're for, they're from the UK. So essentially, think of like a a little more hardcore English version of New Day Rising. That's kind of what you got here in a I'm sense. Intrigued. I'm so, intrigued. Um, it may not be an exact sample, but um, particularly I'd recommend their album Mush. Um, it's 15 songs. Um, it's 15, wow. Um, and it's song I Want the Moon is really good. Pandora's Box is also nice. They also have a really, really good version of Message in a Bottle by the police. Oh, that's, I'd love to hear that. Um, so it's a really good. And then um, they also have an album from 2010 called The Stormy Petrol that's also kind of just what they're doing but much better produced in 2010 so um yeah they, they, they've they, they've they've made records on and off um but not they're, they're pretty solid they kind of started off being very political i think and i think they were continued being political throughout but they're just i don't know a lot of them was just kind of thinking more about them than emotion stuff which again was why i was kind of reminded of you do so um again if you're if you're like super into punk you may have already heard these guys and i think they have i think they've had some amount of influence on other bands before I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at it like hot water music. I'm seeing related to them: Dillinger Four, Eval, um, Lawrence Arms. I'm seeing those are some of the bands I'm seeing. So I don't know if you like that. Maybe you'll like this too. And if you like New Day Rising Air? Who's could do? They're, this might be something that's up your alley. So again, I'd recommend I Want the Moon. That's my favorite from them. But can we tease the next episode now? Yes. Go ahead, Michael. All right. Uh, some of you might know that Weezer recently released a new record. Really. I would people have known that. Yeah, it's it's pretty wide, well known. I this know. Is pr- I, I think Weezer is going to be the most popular band we've ever talked about on this show before. Would you agree? I mean, like in depth, like I think it in is. depth maybe. Um, I mean, we talked about Guns and Roses a little bit. Well, yeah, but we didn't do in a whole episode. Well, well, I, I'm thinking about last semester too. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Tool. Yeah, and Jack White. And Jack White, White, and then um. Sure. We had the strokes. We took me. Well, the, the guests that we'll be having, hopefully, we're having on this week for talking about Weezer is the same guest we had when we talked about the strokes last semester. Yeah. Which is also another big band, too. Um, well, Melissa either, Frick, either our current, uh, un, current university yeah. editor at CM Life. Hopefully, she'll be joining us and we'll be going over every Weezer album, which yeah. both excites and scares me. Yeah. We'll kind of uh, put them in the categories. Just uh, like how we did for 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 uh, hair metal, sure. Well, sure. good, bad, okay. That's kind of yeah. thinking. Yeah. So. And then and then we'll uh, we'll give our opinions on the new record. Um, don't say anything because I actually haven't listened to it. Yeah. Yet. All right, we're gonna leave it completely blank. I, I genuinely have listened to it. Yet maybe we I've, like it. Maybe we don't. All I, right. I'm not expecting to like it very much. <laughs> Andrew's going in with low expectations. I've <laughs> already listened to it. You will get no opinion from me until next week. All I know is I know there are exactly three records I know we will all agree on. Yep. Exactly three. Of being good or bad? Both. 
So two, I, I know two will say that are good and one they'll be being bad. I'm pretty sure you probably already know which ones I'm talking about right yeah. now. Yeah. But I think everyone else does too. But um, I, I do see I do see a lot of points of discussion for the other ones. So this should be a very fun one. Um, I mean, hell, I even think Brent's looking forward. To, even Brent likes Weezer for God's sakes. Everyone who has doesn't, something. Who doesn't like Weezer? At least some. Well, Weezer a lot of people iteration. are really angry with Weezer a lot too. So there's that. Well, that's that's part of liking Weezer. Looking forward to it. Um, should be a good episode. Uh, lots of debating, I feel, and lots of uh, sighing, and lots of maybe happiness too. So, right. kind love. of just a standard Weezer listening experience. All right, peace, love, rock and roll. We'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah, that's, Bye, my, that's my cringy outro.